The Recap Book Chat duo is here. Time to get our brain cells in gear. And as Betty Smith said, the world is yours for the reading. And welcome to the Recap Book Chat. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are about to jump into, I'm not going to, I think I want to say this is my favorite book that we've read so far. It's so impactful. It is called The Hiding Place by Corey Tinboom with John and Elizabeth Sherrill, written in 1971. Epic, epic book. I had no idea. And it's a small book and it packs a punch. Where did you hear about it? Because you're the one that gave it to me. Well, I had, it, it was funny because I had ordered it for us because uh, there was a little excerpt in the fourth grade um, reader of this. And it made me remember when I was in seventh or eighth grade reading it for the first time. And I remembered as a young girl, it had an impact on me. Then we'd had, a, I think we a podcast with um, A Place to Hang the Moon. And Julie had said that was one of her favorite books. And I said, I have that book ordered for us. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So it was kind of ironic that she mentioned it and then we got it. But then it sat on the shelf for a year. <laughs> so impactful, though. So impactful. And it's a true story. This is all true. So if you have not heard of Corey Ten Boom and, or her whole family, this is it takes place during the Nazi invasion and occupation of Holland. So they all live in Holland. And it's all about how they kind of became... The, uh, the leaders, really, in the Dutch underground, uh, the protecting Jews, hiding them, and, and other people. It wasn't just Jews. Uh, I didn't realize that either, but they also um, had to hide and help a lot of the young men who they were trying to get to, to join the, it wasn't the Nazis, it was the, what do they call it, a workforce or something? Yeah. But it was brutal. Mm-hmm. And old people. Yeah. Oh, and mentally handicapped. Yeah. Yes. I did not realize that um, that it. I had a quote for that, and because it kind of surprised me, but um, Germany taught disrespect for the aged because they thought them to have no value for the state. So they taught them. Do you remember that movie, The South Pacific, where he says they have to be taught to hate? Yes. Good connection. Yeah, so they they're t in uh, so Casper is the dad Casper Timboom, which uh, what a patriarch, mm, so good, and uh, so every day they read the Bible in the morning to his employees at the watch shop, and they call that the Bay Hay. Is that what they call it? Or Bay 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 and it's a it's a weird looking house because it's two houses put together. So there's uh, and then. The mom is this quiet, gentle spirit. Uh, I like, she never wastes anything. They don't have a lot of money, but everything, she can turn everything into a celebration. And she gives, she takes care of everybody though. Not, I mean, the whole town, really. Yeah, like if someone has a baby, she's there. If someone dies, she's there. And um, then she also has her three sisters, which the, I guess we learned the Dutch word for uh, aunt would be, Tanti, 
Yeah, that's what it looks yeah. like. And um, and one of those was like Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> I mean, one of them was like. Rrr, rrr. I loved what her mother said about because uh, this is one of those, and we all know those kind of people that uh, life was better where they came from. It was always better. It was better there, you know. And then when they go somewhere else, what was better there? And so Corey is is thinking it would be better for her aunt if she was uh in in another place you know and then her mother says that she's as happy here as she could be anywhere and she Mm. explains it to her and i love that i think i wrote that down because i thought it was yeah bep has been just as happy with us uh as she's been anywhere else and then she says happiness does not depend on our surroundings it is something we make inside us. Mm. And that serves her well because later on, way, way down the road, you know, her mom is dying and she has no strength at all. And she says, I remember this sticks with me, but they just set her in the room and she loved us with her eyes. Because mm. so she didn't just, talk. Yeah. But yeah, and she's just loving us. Mm-hmm. And then, so here's a woman who was doing all this stuff. She's not anymore, but still feels loved you know, that she's just loving there. So uh, she had two different ways of, uh, I mean, her dad was that solid, strong person, but not afraid. He's the manly man that uh, we need in society. That was Casper Ten Boom because, you know, when he got that German, uh, what do you call it, intern who was rude to the older guy working in the watch shop, he fired him. Yes, He, he never fired anybody before. And it was a big deal, but he mm-hmm. fired him. And I, and I said, well, kudos to him. Cause you know, people don't want to rock the boat. Well, and, and I love that his masculinity is not what we think of masculinity in the cocky, arrogant sort of like his is a firm, strong, calm, solid, like he's unwavering, you know, he, and he knows who he is in Christ and he does not waver from that. And like his family and it's like, think of all I think we were talking about that earlier about the ripple effect. Mm-hmm. Think of all, you know, of the people that were touched because of how he raised his family and then mm-hmm. what his, what his family went on to accomplish, you know, and then the, the people that they have, it's a huge ripple effect. So. Well, just to the fact that he was always willing to listen and always, but you weren't going to waver him from his routine. You know, he's going to read mm-hmm. the Bible and then in the morning, and he's going to, so they were like covered with the word of God. Talk about living, practicing the presence of God. These mm-hmm. guys did it. Yes. I mean, whoa. And there was one part where she talks about the Bible was on the shelf, but most of it was in his heart because her dad memorized it. I love that Yes. Part. Yes. There was so many parts that I just, oh, well, I was just like, oh, I love that part. Well, and I like that they gave us. I mean, it doesn't start off with the, you know, World War II. Hard. I love that it's, yes. I love that it doesn't start there. I love that it shows um, her family life before that, because really that's the training ground mm-hmm. and they didn't even realize it, but they were training for what was to come mm-hmm. and everything that they did prior to World War II, they really kept doing it. It didn't change. Like, they were helping people. They were reading God's word. They were praying. It they were bringing people new. to Christ. Yeah. yeah. They were helping anyone who needed help. 
And that just continued on. I mean, World War II, it just, the only difference was that now it was illegal to help people. Mm-hmm. And they, but they still did it, you know. And even when the propaganda on the radio, well, when Casper got sick one time, the whole town went together and got him a radio. So they were listening to the radio and they said that Holland will remain neutral. And Casper turned it off and he said, uh, I wrote that down. I am sorry for all Dutchmen who do not know the power of God, for we will be beaten, but he will not. Yes. So I think sometimes we think, well, America, you know, we're we're this nation. Nothing's going to happen to us. But, well, things can happen to nations, but things can't happen to God. You know, God is in control. But he was he knew that Dutch that that Holland was going to fall. But he was okay with that because God's not going to fall. He was like unshaken by that. Yes. Unshaken. Yeah. I mean, oh, tell, was, I love how he, he like talks to his kids though. So tell about the, the train scene when she's little. I just, he's just so, and I, I'm, I think that's just from being in the word so much, but the wisdom from Casper is just amazing. But talk about the, the scene on the train. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure how old she was, but she was young. So with Corey, uh, Betsy, her sister is seven years older than her. Nolly is two years older than her. And William, her brother, is five years older than her. But she really likes to go with her dad to go get the watch parts and everything. And but at school, they'd had a poem and it had the word sex sin in it. And she asked her mom, and her mom just blushed uh, what the word meant. Because she doesn't know what the word means, you know. And so he's, they're on the, and he doesn't say anything right at first. She just says, Father, what is a sex sin? And then he lifts his travel case from the overhead rack on the train. And then he says, "Um, could you carry this for me? Well, she tries to lift it, and, you know, she says it's too heavy. And he says, yes. And it would... And I would be, uh, it would be a pretty poor father who would ask his little girl to carry such a load. It's the same way with knowledge, Corey. Some knowledge is too heavy for children. When you are older and stronger, you can bear it. For now, you must trust me to carry it for you. And then it goes on and she says she was content to leave her unanswered questions in her father's keeping. And I love that because we, you know, like you're going through a sickness or hard times and we need to have that same confidence in our heavenly father to trust yes. him, to trust. Mm-hmm. And when we're ready, we'll understand it. Yes. But I just love that whole thing. And I think in society today, they're putting so much on little kids that's too heavy for them to oh, bear. Yes. Yeah. I love that part. That, that was one of my, that was my favorite quote. That was so wise. And I'm like, and you know, sometimes we want to know, well, what's, what's, what's in our future. We want to know what's ahead and stuff. And I, I, it it makes me think of that. We probably don't know because it's too heavy for us to bear right now. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not ready for some of that information that's coming down the pike. We need, you know, we're, we're not able to handle it. So that's what's so beautiful of the way he guided his family. If you live every day for God and you put him first in all that you do, you know, like uh, there was one part where she said he was good at working on the clocks because he'd done it a long time, but he would still get into something that baffled him. 
you know, it's just like a mechanic. They work on cars or trucks, but every once in a while, they'll get uh, something that will baffle them. Like a teacher, they work with students all the time, but sometimes you get that student that kind of baffles you. Well, he said, um, and I love that, something about he would pray over his work. And then he, he started it with this. I wrote the start of it down. Lord, you turn the wheels of the galaxies. You know what makes the planet spin. You know what makes this watch run. And then he would explain it. And then she said that they would, he would usually go to bed, but when she would wake up in the morning, that watch would be fixed. So in the <laughs> night, it would hit him. He'd yeah. go down, fix it. And then, and I was just like, oh, I just love that so much depending on God and not worrying, yes. no fear, no worry, just laying it to God. So I just thought, there's another quote and it says, perhaps only when human effort had done its best and failed, would God's power alone be free to work. Mm. So sometimes, as you know, when That's our good. prayer life is the best is when we've tried everything uh, humanly possible. And people I've heard, it bothers me when people say, well, all we can do is pray. All <laughs> we can do is pray. I'm like, well, hey, that should be your first line of defense. Yes. That yes. would be like if you were a football coach and you got the 300-pound guy sitting on the bench or you got the seven-foot guy on the bench in basketball, but we're not going to play him. We're just yes. going to save him. We're just saving him. <laughs> yeah. Just stay, stay seated, Michael Jordan. We don't need you yet. We're going to wait until yeah. we try every other player, and then then we'll call you in. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't make sense. No. Man, but Casper, he is, he is so good, and like – so Corey, and it kind of goes through, she's growing up and there's this one guy that she kind of falls in love with. And it's her brother's uh, friend or roommate from college. Carl. And she's just Carl. And she really likes him and he likes her. And, but at one point, you know, cause they're talking and walking, they've been, you know, friends for a while. And Willem, her older brother says, Hey, just to let, which is, I thought was very loving and a hard conversation. Yes. Mm -hmm. He says, I just want to let you know, like, don't set your cap for him because he, he had, his family is, says he's going to have to marry someone with money. So he's not going to marry anyone that doesn't. And like, and, and that comes to be, and she's brokenhearted. And, but I love what her dad said. And I'm, I have to read this. Yes. Um, let's see. And she's, oh, I, I got to read what she said before too. Um. Um, how long I lay in bed sobbing for the one love of my life, I do not know. Later, I heard father's footsteps coming up the stairs. For a moment, I was a little girl again, waiting for him to tuck the blankets tight. But this was a hurt that no blanket could shut out. And suddenly, I was afraid of what father would say. Afraid he would say, there'll be someone else soon. And that, and that forever afterward, this untruth would lie between us. For in some deep part of me, I knew already that there would not soon or ever be anyone else and it goes on and but this is what he says when he comes in Corey. he began do you know what hurts so very much it's love love is the strongest force in the world and when it is blocked that means pain there are two things we can do when this happens we can kill the love so that it stops hurting but then of course part of us dies too or Corey. We can ask God to open up another route for the love to travel. Oh, man. So good. Yes. 
I love that. And then it goes on that God loves Carl even more than you do. And if you ask him, he will give you his love for this man, a love nothing can prevent, nothing destroy. Whenever we can, cannot love in the old human way, Corey, God can give us the perfect way. And then later on, she prays. Uh, I wrote that down. It says, she says, uh, you know, pages later, uh, bless Carl, Lord Jesus. And she said, uh, and that was a prayer that could not have sprung unaided from Corey Ten Boom. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I just love that. So, I mean, she's praying, but she, she said, I, I had help with my prayer. Yes. I but I mean, that. man, I just love that her dad, uh, you know, didn't, didn't just say idle words to make her feel better. Oh, it'll be okay. Someone else will come along. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, that's what, and that's what we do now. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, Hey, you know, just to, just to kind of stop the hurting. But I love that he validated her. He validated her hurt and was like that, you know, why does it hurt and explained it. And, but, Oh, and just such a her, godly perspective. Yeah. Gave her permission to hurt. Yes. I mean, valued the hurt in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he knew that he couldn't make it go away. Which as a parent is what you want to do. You can't, you know, it's so yeah. hard when your kid's hurting. But I love his perspective on that. And But the wisdom in his answer there helped her in life. Yeah. Because you know, we are going to have pain in life. And I mean, and some of us may not ever end up in a prison camp and all the things that went through that they had to go through but you will have pain and when you realize that god can give us the perfect way i think that that was just like it was good i mean and and you know what another thing before when they were young they all the kids liked to work Mm -hmm. did you notice that yes he said she was finding joy in work that she never dreamed of. I mean, at one point she was, when an aunt got sick, she did all the washing and cleaning and cooking and she found joy in that. And then when an aunt got tuberculosis, she, she wanted to love her more. Help me. I learn to love her more. She wanted to learn to love her better. And, but then as it turned, Betsy had a problem too. What was her problem? She was like, she was, she had something, an an illness where she could never have kids. And so she decided from a young age that she was not going to marry. And so that that's why Corey and Betsy were so close because the other two, when they grew up, they got married and had their own families. Um, But the two girls, Corey and Betsy, they stayed with their dad and they took care of the household. And then the mom passed away and all the aunts passed away. So it ended up, when World War II comes along, it's just the dad and uh, Betsy and Corey, which actually, and, and bef- prior to that, they had taken in a bunch of foster kids and had mm-hmm. raised them. Yeah. So they were not idle. They had been practicing. You know, taking in, they yes. They, they walked. Yes. The, but it was funny to me that so at one point, uh, Betsy and Corey switch places and Corey goes into the watch shop and she's good at it she her dad's not a very good businessman because he thinks it's an honor to work on these watches so he doesn't know how to build people well Corey does and then betsy loves cooking and she can make a bone make tons of soup and she can stretch it out like her mother you know and i just thought that was funny but she said one thing that was 
different is she never knew the people like Betsy did. So when somebody came in the shop, she would run back there and ask, ask Betsy about them. And then she'd come back and say, Oh, how's your daughter doing? How's the baby? <laughs> and they said, well, that Corey Tin Boom is just like her sister. <laughs> it was not true, but she used uh, her resources though. I thought, yeah. I mean, was it was uh, one. Uh, and then, you know, there was a point in there where she had the flu and um, she was really sick. She couldn't even r raise her head from the bed. And uh, this somebody demands to talk to her. And even in her state of confusion, she noticed he never looked her in the eye. And there was a Dutch phrase that said, you know, never trust someone who doesn't look you in the eye. But mm -hmm. she had a fever. And, you know, anyway, he's the one that caused the whole thing. I knew it was going to be bad because the next chapter said something and I said, oh, I don't want to read that. <laughs> but, you know, prior to that, they operated for a long time. And I'm just so impressed because so she's in her 50s now and she has a bike and she pretty much has to figure a lot of stuff out on her own. She she has to get because people, you know, by this time, Jews are being taken away and all that. So and and they have helped people. So this their home the bayay or if that's how you say it has been a place of of comfort and help for this community for so long people could just kind of know to go there and so when the when all this starts happening the jews start showing up there and so and they don't turn them away no. and i love that casper said you know i'll help anybody who shows at my door that needs help and they start even taking when, them in even when their pastor didn't want the baby Pat, yes know, casper said oh we'll we'll take the baby you know because a baby was would you know if a baby cries that's you know it's up they find you know if they find that and all that and one time nolly her younger sister was arrested and i loved that when Corey went to try to get her out she used it said uh, i remembered the book we uh were reading around uh, aloud by the bicycle lamp how to win friends and influence people one of the techniques advocate advocated by dale carnegie was find the man's hobby hobby dogs i wonder because this man had dogs so she starts talking about dogs and then she gets to her sister and i i put out there that books connect people she used yeah. her reading to help her she did and her sister did end up getting out it, yes. i think it took a couple of weeks but in one part, she said, so they operated a year and a half, but she said the hardest part was never knowing because so they even practiced drills. They practiced. They had a buzzer system. They had all this. They had a hidden room that they, that was built. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, um, man, I mean, and then then they had this. Uh, one time they were raided kind of, and they had a woman that had asthma and, and you know, everybody kind of voted that they would keep her. They would just keep this lady because they knew she could probably give them away because you couldn't see it, the room. But anyway, when they came and inspected it and everything, you couldn't, and that's all Corey prayed for. Oh, please keep her quiet. <laughs> she prayed for that. And she was because they, yeah. they didn't hear her. So I thought that was cool. And, you know, it was interesting too, because, um, which we, we know about occupation and all that, what happened and stuff. And there's a, there's a quote though that I, I thought was interesting that said um, a, a few nights later, the radio carried the news we dreaded. The queen had left. I had not cried the night of the invasion, but I cried now for our country was lost. And I was like, 
that's that's pretty sad, you know, that the mm-hmm. queen left. And I really, it made me think of uh, England when the king, he stayed. Do you remember? And mm-hmm. uh, I'm like, what? I feel like that's a very selfish leadership to leave in a crisis, you know, mm-hmm. even though like so, because the people couldn't leave, you know, they mm-hmm. were there. But so I was like, I could see why that would be upsetting, you know, and, and I could see why it, it can be empowering the other way in England when, um, and I can't think of his name, King George. Well, he was uh, Queen Elizabeth's dad, wasn't he? He was, yes. He, he had the stutter, mm-hmm. that guy, mm-hmm. because his brother had abdicated the throne. But, mm-hmm. but he stayed. He stayed through the bombing and all of that of London. And they were quoted as saying, my, my subjects are being bombed and we are too. We will not leave. And yes. they had other places to go. Yes, they could. Yeah. Just like the, the Queen of uh, Holland. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought that was interesting because I, I didn't know that, you know. But, but I, I, I do think that um, he, uh, something about England, they, I, I don't know, with Churchill and all that, they, they were not going to give up. Mm-hmm. And Holland, Holland, you know, they said they'd be neutral. Well, you know what? You can't, you can't stay on the fence sometimes. You know, that's a good point. It's easy to take someone over if they, you know, I don't think you could put Churchill. In, he never said he was going to be neutral. <laughs> That's a really good point. Because, so if you think about it, if you're saying, no, I'm not going to do that. You're on this the far side. If you're neutral, you're closer. Mm-hmm. It's easier to pull you to the other side. Yeah. And take you so, over. That's a good point. I loved, yeah, when, when they were getting the ration cards, that guy said, well, how many do you want? And she thought she'd say 10, but she said 100. <laughs> and she said, where did that come from? But she needed them. But, uh, I thought that and was I funny. think I looked up that, because um, I was curious, and I think they ended up helping over 800 people like wow. that came through their house. Mm. Like, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. That is so amazing. Definitely. Yeah, just to... Um, to put self last, they were selfless people because they knew at any time and they were ready for those consequences. Even when they were taken and when the raid happened, uh, I guess, you know, Casper's were pretty old at this time. And uh, I guess that German guy had a, had a moment and he said, well, you know, you're pretty old. Why don't you just go home and we'll just forget it. And then Casper said his classic line that he said before, I'll help anyone who knocks on my door. And then that guy got mad. Mm-hmm. But for a moment there, that guy was like, uh, and, and I guess I saw a little bit of that here, uh, that there were people that were Gestapo plants and Corey wasn't very good at recognizing them, recognizing them, but her nephew was Peter. Peter mm-hmm. would say, that's a plant. Don't, don't talk to him, you know, because we don't think. And so when she does go to talk to this Lieutenant, uh, at one time, you know, she's like, Oh, please give me the discernment to, to know. Cause he, he's kind. So that's kind of how they use, sometimes they would be forceful. And, and then other times they might be really kind to get you to talk. Mm-hmm. But I love that. I, I thought she was very brave when she talked to that lieutenant because she she said, um, I, I think I marked that. It says, this hearing, Ms. Tim Boone, is predicted, um, is predicated on the assumption that you will do me that honor. 
uh, she's supposed to tell the truth. The truth, sir, I said, swallowing, is that God's viewpoint is sometimes different than ours. So different that we could not even guess at it unless he had given us a book that tells us such things. I knew it was madness to talk this way to a Nazi officer, but he said nothing, so I plunged ahead. In the Bible, I learned that God values us not for our strength or our brains, but simply because he has made us. Who knows? In his eyes, a half-wit may be worth more than a watchmaker. And then she added this, or a lieutenant. And I went, whoa! <laughs> Brit, yeah. I just thought, man, girl. But you know what? And then he but his says, soil was ready. Yeah, I don't. She didn't say that to all the Nazis. No, but she she could see some some well, she him was struggling. Some well, he had tulips outside his little deal, and she thought that was something. But uh, and then he does say that will be all. That'll be all. And then, but she did give him something to. Um, and she also, yeah, before this even happened, she had church for that she called it mentally retarded people. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's talking about a half wit. He said, I'm not true. I don't care about your blah, blah, blah. And all this, but I thought the, the, that is pretty simple. That's why God uh, wants to have a relationship with us. Cause he made us. Yes. That's like you have one, you you want a relationship with your children because you were their mom, not because mm-hmm. of anything they did, but yes. because you want that relationship. So yes. Good connection. But it's amazing. I mean, whoa. And there's one part, too. Before they were arrested and they were in their house, this is when they were being bombed. And she was and Corey was laying in bed and uh, she heard Betsy in the kitchen making tea or something. So she got up middle of the night to go down there. And so she ended up having tea with her while the bombing's going on. Um, when she gets back, when it's time she's going to bed, she's feeling for her pillow and cuts her hand on a piece of shrapnel. So there was oh. a big shard of shrapnel on her pillow. That would have killed her. That would have killed her. Mm-hmm. And she said, she was saying, what if, and da-da-da-da. And Betsy said, don't say it, Corey. There are no ifs in God's world and no places that are safer than other places. The center of his will is our only safety. Oh, Corey, let us pray that we may always know it. I love that. I, I had like, that wow. line, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, it gives you chill vibes, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they really, but they do get arrested. They go to, oh man, they go to prison. They go to one concentration camp that you're thinking, you know, it could be worse. That's, that's, uh, it's better than I've heard of. Well, and then they go to Ravenbrook, which is horrible. Uh, The humiliation and everything. But there is a part there that um, it's amazing. She says, she gives all the, um, she gives all the credit to Betsy because when when they would come into a cell or whatever you would call those, you know, people might be cussing, they might be grouchy and all that. And then at one point she said, what a difference since Betsy had come into this room where before this had been the moment for scuffles and cursing. Tonight, the huge dormitory buzz with sorry, excuse me, and no harm done. And I thought, see, that that is amazing. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. And she talks about, Corey talks about how it's easy to be selfish in those circumstances, which it would be mm-hmm. when, when you are starved and you're beaten and you're cold and hungry, you know, it's like you, it's easy to just think about surviving, which is just, and I love that um, they did, they were able to sneak in a Bible. So, which is contra you're not supposed to have anything like that contraband, I guess, but um, talk about the story of the fleas. I think that's huge. Well, I, I was going to say that one, the, the jar, I was going to, you, I was going to let you tell that one, but I thought it was un, uh, uncanny that, well, as, as a blessing that they had these like medicine drops and it reminded me and they never Vitamin ran drops. out. Yeah. They never ran out. And Betsy's wanting to give them to everybody. And Corey's like, uh, okay, Corey's wanting to keep Betsy alive. That's all Corey's thinking about. She wants to keep Betsy alive. And it's amazing how these drops are just like in the Bible, that lady's oil that never runs out, mm-hmm. you know? And then she's given these drops. And then someone else comes in with some medicine or vitamin drops. And then it does finally run out. But I just thought how... Um, Betsy has that faith that we're just going to live f- today. And she is, and at one time, Corey kind of thought, is she even human? You know, because <laughs> she thinks she's kind of an angel. Because when they found out why they got, who caused the raid and all that, Corey wants to kill him. And Betsy wants to pray for him. Yeah. And I think most people would go with Corey. Let's kill him, you know, because he caused all this damage. And he was and- a Dutchman. Yeah. A traitor. A traitor. And I think I put that there. I put that in the margins of my book that traitors are hard to forgive. Because if it would, if it had been a Nazi, then that's a German. But for it to be a Dutchman, I think that's harder. But yeah, go ahead with the fleas. I'll let you call. You can be the flea, the flea flicker. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Man, yeah, Betsy. And I love, though, that Corey is very open about her struggles, like, mm-hmm. which I mean, like, and still she's like ahead of everyone else, you know, in her faith and stuff. But I love that she's honest with where she's at. Like, I mean, Betsy's when when they're talking about, hey, like when we get out of here, let's make a place to help all these people and stuff. Corey's thinking of the the people that are traumatized in in the camp and Betsy's thinking of the Nazis. Like, which Mm -hmm. would be so hard to think of them, uh, that they need help too, but they do, you know, but I love that. So when they first get to the barracks in Ravensbrook, which is this whore, it's gross. It's, it's disgusting. And they're, they pray every night and everything. And, uh, Betsy is praying for the fleas, thanking God for the fleas. And Corey's like, no, I can't. I can't thank God for the fleas. That's yeah. I gotta draw the line. And Betsy's like, well, it says in the Bible, you know, like pray, like give thanks to God for everything. Right. In all circumstances and everything. And, and you don't know it right then, but then like, I think a long time later come to find out the fleas had been protecting them because the, the Nazis would not come into their barracks because they did not want to get fleas. Now they made them come out and do stand at attention and march and stuff. But when it was time for bed, they let them, they did not bother them. And during that time they had Bible studies and prayer sessions and, and they were, which is forbidden 
but they were able to do all that because of the fleas. And so I was like, wow, that's just amazing. I thought that was just an incredible story, an incredible uh, way to that God can use bad things for our good. And so, so many people got saved through that. So many people were brought, uh, were brought to Christ in, in the most horrible place, you know, around. Because I think they needed, they needed that to even, they needed a relationship with God to survive. Yes. It was, um, it was, it's at one point, I can't find that part, but Corey said, we weren't people, we were animals because that's how they were treated but here's a part about betsy uh she said it's um show us show us how it was said so matter-of-factly it took me a second to realize she was praying more and more the distinction between prayer and the rest of life seemed to be vanishing for betsy and i connected that with practicing the presence of god Mm, that's a good connection yeah she's just living the prayer she's living it you know and uh, i mean i was just like and it's and it's so bad like you said it was horrible like we can't even think about how they were treated so when she is treated kindly she just cries after Mm, so long a time you know she she just couldn't you know because you're not used to that yeah i did have a question for you okay so there was one Nazi that, and Betsy was really sick, and this was a very brutal woman Nazi. I don't know what they call them, um, but she she actually did go into the barracks, the flea barracks, when when Betsy was sick, and because you had to stand in the sick line to get in the hospital, but she made it where she could get um, into the hospital and not have to wait. Do you remember that part? Yes, I think so. Okay, so, and it never really elaborates much because I don't think Corey knew. So this must have happened when Corey wasn't around. But somehow Betsy had influenced this this Nazi, uh, obviously, to doing that. And so later on, when Corey gets out, she's released. And um, later on, it says that, uh, I think like 10 days later, pretty much everyone in her age group were killed. And they said that she was released on a technical error. And so it makes me wonder if that one Nazi that Betsy had kind of softened, I wonder if that, if she was the cause of the technical error, of the technical error. She might have been. I didn't know if you thought that or not. I was curious. Well, I hadn't went there, but that, that sounds like a good, I mean, yeah, when you realize you were supposed to be killed and you weren't. And a technical error, they don't make technical errors, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, so I was, I'm like, I I really wonder if that was, you know, Betsy having her influence over that, you know, and it doesn't talk a lot about it. So, no, Mm -mm. I always just thought, well, God had a plan for Corey. And uh, of course, God could use work through that woman. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or anybody, you know. And I thought right here, this is important for everybody because at the it, you're kind of near the end of the book. It says the key to healing turned out to be the same for everybody. And the key is forgiveness. Mm, that's and good. I thought, wow, that's and, and, you know, I just think Betsy figured that out before Corey. But I do love Corey's honesty that she struggles with that. 
as most people do. Yes. But I think part of it came from Betsy being sick her whole life. She had kind of taken a back seat. She watched a lot of things. She knew how things were. She wasn't act. She couldn't be active and she never got to go to school with her. And, um, you know, she just worked at home and all that. So she was an observer and she noticed things. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think she was like, um, we, we have to forgive them because I, I, I've, I think I've quoted that before from that other man who was in um, the other prison camp that, you know, how did people survive and some die? And he said, the ones who accepted it. So, cause with acceptance comes forgiveness. Cause you're not going, you know, you're like, okay, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I can't change. I mean, at one t- point in her cell, because she had the fever and everything, she was put in isolation, which she's an extrovert. So that was really hard, but she kind of made friends with an ant. <laughs> she, she feeds the ant some crackers and stuff. So I said, she's desperate for, yeah. for company. And so the ant becomes kind of her company. Yes. I mean, just like, and, and Casper had so embedded that work ethic in his girl's or in his family that when she gets to work because she's well and Betsy's always sickly, you know, she, she's knitting or doing. And this something. was at a, the, the other camp that was a little bit better than Ravensbrook. And, and the, the guy, he came over there and he said, Hey, slow down. Who are, you know, who we're making these for? And he ripped up some of the wires and soldering back wrong and all that. But she, it, she was just enjoying working. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we kind of have lost that. I yes. tried, I'm trying now after having read that book, you know what I am, uh, I'm, I'm starting, I've said, you know what, when you, when I fold the clothes, I'm going to say, thank you. I, I am getting able to fold the clothes. I have clothes to fold. Thank you for dishes to wash Thank, and have that spirit of, uh, finding joy in your, in a job well done, no matter what it is. Yes. That's so good. That is so good because that's really, that's what we're working for him. Everything's his. Yes. So, and I, I did like the, you know, when she finally did get, when she finally did get out and she, she made it to this and her journey. Oh my goodness. The poor girl, Corey, someone had stolen her ration card. So even though she's released, she, she can't eat. And like, she's on this train trying to get back home. I was like, Oh my goodness. But finally made it to this hospital where then that's when the lady was kind, you know, yeah. and it was like, and, but she said, you are so malnourished. Like you can only have bread with no butter because you're so malnourished that your body will reject it. And I thought that's interesting that, so we have to have nutrition to survive, but if we go without it, if we go on such reduced nutrition, when if we do get a large dose of it, our body will reject what we need. And I'm like, I feel like that's true with spiritual stuff, too, that because what we need most is God. But if we have been without him for a long time, I feel like there's almost an automatic rejection. Like, you know, like it's almost like the same idea. So it's like but the what the ten booms were so good at it was like love. They were so good at giving love um, in many different ways. And love can be given in bite-sized pieces. It can be given in huge pieces, you know. And so those little acts of kindness, I think, can really help kind of nourish people to a point where they can really accept. 
I the think fullness of God. Baby steps. You always say you're quoting uh, inch by inch. It is a cinch. We want to do a grand thing, you know, like yes. I, I'm, I read the whole Bible in, in a month or something. But no, if you just read and apply, read and apply it, I think that is, and that's what they did. They were great at that, you know. And but it's they, funny, like you said, like they want to do it. They did a grand thing. But at the time, it didn't seem grand, you know, because but everything they've done was it was inch by inch. But when you look at the whole picture, that was an amazing thing that they mm-hmm. accomplished. But, you know, he I, I'm sure Casper thought no more of that than he did when they take in uh, took in a, a stray a, a kid mm-hmm. or a baby or something he, because they were doing it for God. And uh, so, you know, every little thing would help. I mean, yes. Even when he fired the rude dude, he did that for God mm-hmm. because he didn't want him. He heard that he had pushed the old man's face into the bricks and he was all bloody, the older guy. And I, I guess, you know, and we've read some books about the Hitler's youth and all that, but I guess I didn't, I know they were bullies. I knew that, but I guess I didn't know that they had this venom for the elderly, but. I did hear someone speaking uh, in a podcast I was listening to. They said, you can judge a country by how they treat the most vulnerable of their citizens, the babies and the old people. Ooh, very yeah. true. And I thought, oh, ouch. And, you know, along with that, you know, because you're saying about the, the Nazi youth, they were taught to hate. And like you mentioned that earlier about being taught to hate. And Betsy told Corey at one point that, if people can be taught to hate, they can be taught to love. Mm-hmm. And what a way to flip that, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because sometimes if people are taught to hate, we write them off. Well, they're, you know, lost cause. But you can retrain, reteach. But I think we, you know, and that, that re, I think the thing about training is, I think, and, and I know this in the educational world, people think if I go in there and I teach you how to summarize they ought to have it, but you've mm-hmm. got to train and train and train. And that's what Plato said before. Uh, he said, the little human animal will not at first have the right responses. It must be trained to feel pleasure, liking, disgust, and hatred at those things which uh, really are pleasant, likable, disgusting, and hate- hateful. And I think that training is cumbersome, but not to Casper. Casper enjoyed that. He enjoyed mm. the daily routine and I would call it a rhythm, the rhythm of his life. Maybe because he was a clockmaker, you know, the ticking. Oh, and he was, he was yes. good at being patient and figuring things out and how things worked. Mm, so. I never thought about that, the rhythm, because his rhythm, I mean, when you're even reading that, I love, I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, I love the beginning because we didn't start out in distress. Yes, we got to meet everybody and see their rhythm of their life and and enjoy that. And um, you you meet them up close and personal where they are. And some of my favorite quotes were from the beginning of that, you know. Well, and and that inspired me like because through this book, I see that, okay, like it really like habits matter. And it's like they were he was putting in to his family and this, this habit of reading and feasting on the truth every single day. And that habit 
and having the the God's word deep inside of them help them later on so much when when tragedy and hard times came. And so I'm like, you know what? We need to do that. And so this inspired me. And so my family has been trying. We started this week trying to do Wonderful. A, a, a Bible time, a Bible reading before school, Bible reading and prayer before school. I'm like, because they did that it, is you know. Great. Well, that is what that so. is go. That is so impactful because I know how hectic it is before school. But man, what a great way to send kids off into the world. And I love it, and they love it, and it is. It's it's definitely a great way to start the day. And I'm like, you know what? And over time, it's that inch by inch, you know, doing it one time is good, but like, if you can do it daily, I'm like, Oh, mm-hmm. and getting that word every day. I'm just like, man, but Casper, he, he is just awesome. So he's, he's rocked inspired it out. you. He's inspired. Yes. you. That's good. Well, I mean, it's, it's hard to uh, start a new habit, but ver- that'll be a habit that will be worthwhile. So, and I love that they did it no matter what, like, cause people would come, they had visitors, they had employees, but every single day at eight ten, they had their, their Bible reading and he would read and then they would pray and then go about the day. And when they had that German intern, he called it a book of lies. Mm-hmm. He didn't get upset. You know, he still, I, yeah, he, he still, still read. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I, somewhere in society, it happened somewhere that, People can't disagree without getting mad. But, you know, really, if someone disagrees with you, there's no reason to get upset about it. No. Just carry on, you know. And let the fruit, let the fruit speak for itself, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, who was more fruitful? That, I think his name was Otto, the German guy. Yeah. Otto or Casper? Mm-hmm. Oh, who's, you know, whose family would you want? Whose life would Casper. Oh, man. What so a much more rich. What yes, a what a legacy. So I think that's a wrap on the hiding place. We can keep going because, it, and it's very small, but it's so good. And it's a very quick read. 241 so pages. And that's, uh, I mean, it's pretty, it is quick. And uh, I, I think everybody, another one, there's a scripture in there that says, keep the door of my lips. So I, I need that, you know, if you're going to get in trouble, keep the door <laughs> of my lips, uh, Psalm 141. But I feel like we've been blessed by reading it. Oh, tenfold. And so we, check it out and right? find that joy runs deeper than despair Ooh. and Jesus can turn loss into glory. Wonderful. That was from the book. So Good go check quote. it out. Yes. <laughs> and keep those pages turning and those book lights burning. And we're so glad that you stopped in for a listen. Catch you on the next one. <laughs>